Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John O'Leary is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. I am John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you joining us today as part of the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired podcast, I interview amazing guests who share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, their life. You will hear profound and unforgettably inspiring stories, but more importantly, you will take away real ideas to apply in your own life. My friends, my goal is to have guests on this show that will inspire you to choose, and it is a choice, to wake up from accidental living so that you can do, be, achieve, and impact even more through your life. Or perhaps more simply said, so that you can live inspired. Today, I have a quote to start us out. Discipline becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. Dream big. I'm going to repeat this. Ready? Here it is. Get your pens out. Get your keyboards out. Here we go. Discipline becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. So dream big. This is a quote from today's guest, Rory Vaden. I met Rory a few years ago, and he is an expert and a coach on self-discipline. He's written books about it. He's built his business around it. And maybe most amazingly, he's built a life inspired by it today. He's a best-selling author, a soon-to-be daddy, a one-time impoverished young man who began making his financial way as a college student during his summers learning how to do what is coined taking the stairs or do the important work that needs to get done today so that you can get ahead of life tomorrow. How many times in your life have have you known that there was a difficult conversation that you needed to have? How many times was in your life was there a, a bad habit that you knew you needed to break? That is the escalator mentality. That is the world that most of us live in. And here's what buffalo do is very unique, especially in the animal kingdom. Buffalo wait for the storm to cross right over the crest of the peak of the mountaintop. And as the storm comes over the ridge, buffalo turn and they charge directly into the storm. And they run at the storm, and by running at the storm, they run straight through it, minimizing the amount of time and the amount of pain and frustration that they experience from that storm. That is the same way that is representative of how successful people think. Rory's going to inspire us to set goals, to dream big, to hold ourselves accountable. After today's episode, I am certain more than ever that you will have actionable takeaways to begin living your life more inspired today than in any day before. Problems that are procrastinated on are only amplified. Waiting always makes it worse. But successful people learn to take the stairs. They do the thing they know needs to be done, even when they don't feel like doing it. And and if you can develop that trait, that self-discipline, 
And then it empowers you. It opens the door to do anything, anything in your life that uh, anything you can possibly dream mm. is available with enough self-discipline. So are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. Let me hear you say yes. Scream it out your cars while you're driving. Yes. Let's go. It is my honor to introduce you to the best-selling author, discipline guru, and my dear friend, Rory Vaden. Today, he'll share with us amazing tools so that we can choose to live inspired. Hey, brother. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Man, we, we are thrilled you're here. And uh, you are, as I just said, a best-selling author of several books. You have this incredible business. Tell me what life is like for you today in Nashville. Oh, well, I just uh, found out that, uh, well, I didn't find out. I found out a few weeks ago, but AJ and I are going to have a baby in March 23rd. Well, that is so, huge uh, news. Hopefully your family knows. If not, we just broadcast over our, our signal, right. <laughs> so they'll find out this way. Congratulations, man. Thanks, buddy. Well, All that's right. huge news. Back. I knew you guys were also working on a home and, and really doing married life well together. So congratulations on the baby coming along. Yeah. 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 Bu- building a home goes slowly and expensively. That uh, is what everybody needs to know. That's the first piece of advice. Uh, it's going to be more slower and cost more than you thought, but we're right. almost through it. Well, congrats. And uh, Vaden, you, you did not start off with uh, the child or the home or the marriage. I want to take our followers, our listeners back to to more humble mm-hmm. beginnings. So walk me back to where you were. Where, where'd you grow up? What was life looking like as a, as a child, Rory? Yeah, well, I I was raised by a, a single mom, and um, we didn't have a ton of money. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and then lived in trailer parks and apartments um, all around sort of Boulder, Colorado. And, and uh, it was just me and my mom and my brother, and, and we had lots of love, but we didn't have a ton of uh, anything else. Uh, lots of friends, uh, but not a lot of money and not a ton of education and things like that. And uh, But my mom sold Mary Kay Cosmetics. So I mm-hmm. kind of grew up around sales and success principles. Um, it also means I know more about makeup than I do about cars. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and I uh, ended up getting a getting a scholarship to the University of Denver. And when I was at University of Denver, I got recruited for a company, a summer work program called Southwestern Advantage. And I worked in this company for five years. Um, where I worked 14 hours a day, six days a week on straight commission, paying all of my own expenses, selling educational children's reference books door to door uh, over five summers in college and graduate school. And, uh, you know, never thought I would be a door to door salesperson. I was a perfectly normal child. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I, I wanted to sell Mary Kay, uh, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and, anyways, I learned a lot about. Uh, you know, I started studying success after, uh, during those days and learned a lot about self-discipline. And after that, I, I, I uh, decided I wanted to pursue my dream of, of being a speaker and an entrepreneur. And um, I joined Toastmasters, did something called the World Championship of Public Speaking, and then started Southwestern Consulting with a couple a couple business partners, uh, just ha- existing for the purpose of helping people achieve their goals in life. And we're a, we're a coaching company and. We've grown from four people to about 134 people um, in 10 years, and have a have a have a big yeah. operation nowadays. And and uh, you know, I always thought one day I'll I'll get to be on the John O'Leary show. Yes, and, uh, the day has come. And, You've made it, man. The day has come. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Hey, so I'm 
it, it, the, the story, I mean, you, you uh, fast forwarded a couple decades of experiences and failures and successes. Take, take me all the way back to college. You know, most people, their dream job might be bartending or uh, mm-hmm. some cakewalk job. Maybe you're going to paint houses in the summer. Whatever it is most of us were doing back in the college days, I've been told that there really is no more difficult job than door-to-door sales, whether it's Girl Scout cookies or books for kids or whatever else you want to sell door-to-door. Uh, Why did you choose this? Well, frankly, I got into it because of the money. <laughs> um, uh, that was what attracted me anyways. The average student that finishes their first summer makes about $7,500. Um, my first summer, I made just over $17,000. And then each of the next four summers, I made over $50,000 a summer. So I made almost a quarter million dollars um, in these five summers uh, selling books and, and recruiting students to come with me. But, you know, looking back, it was not the money that was the valuable part right. of that whole process. It was about the person that I became. And and I think anybody who, anybody who achieves any level of greatness has to go through a, 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 a season in their life of pain and difficulty so you, you think, Rory, that we, you have to go through a, a season of struggle to really not only discover who you are, but discover what, what the characteristics and the principles of success and resilience and courage and faithfulness look like? Well, I think that is what happens, yeah. I think, you know, it's funny, as we've started studying successful people and successful organizations, it's amazing because you, when you, we've worked with over 8,000 teams at Southwestern Consulting. We've had over 5,500 people that we've coached one-on-one. Um, and then, you know, when you sit down and you talk to successful people, you find out that contrary to popular belief, it has nothing to do with a person's age or their ethnicity, or their religious affiliation, or even their education level. But the one thing that every single successful person has in common is that successful people have formed the habit of doing things they know they should be doing, even when they don't feel like doing them. Uh, In other words, success is not about taking the escalator. (laughs) Success is about taking the stairs, which is where the title of, you know, of course, our first book, Take the Stairs, comes from. It's from doing those things you know you should be doing, even when you don't feel like doing them. And, you know, part of that is a mindset, which is really what the the book is all about and probably what we'll talk a lot about today. Um, And then part of it is just the the muscle of going through that journey of over and over building up the stamina and the the perseverance. And and everybody who's – I don't know of someone who's been successful that found an easy path an easy path to it. Do, do you think the pathway, and just to use the, the phraseology that you're using right now, of taking the stairs versus taking the escalator is one that is available to all of us? Uh, yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I think the stairs can look different for us. I mean, certainly, John, your path has, has been different, um, but it's certainly been one that's been challenging, and you've certainly come through to a, a side of it that has been tremendously blessed and successful. And, and I think that... Um, the beauty about take the stairs, right? Like take the stairs is not about making your life as hard as possible. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's about making your life as easy as possible, mm. but it's per- it's predicated upon the idea that the shortest path to the easy life is doing the hardest parts of things as soon as possible. 
um, we believe that procrastination is nothing more than a creditor that charges you interest, um, that problems that are procrastinated on are only amplified. Waiting always makes it worse. But successful people learn to take the stairs. They do the thing they know needs to be done, even when they don't feel like doing it. And, and if you can develop that trait, that self-discipline, and then it empowers you, it opens the door to do anything, anything in your life that uh, anything you can possibly dream mm. is available with enough self-discipline. And Roy, I know you do an awful lot of speaking and training and coaching and even your, your writing directed really toward a business audience. And yet this this message that we're talking about and the one that we're going to dive a little bit deeper into here in a few moments is so applicable, not just to having an increase in ROI or greater productivity at the office, but how to grow in your spiritual journey, how to grow physically, how to grow relationally, how to do things that really turn you on to live into the fullness of your life. Yeah, they, they are. It's, it's connected. I mean, th- these are principles that apply anywhere. Um, you know, and, and the big deception of the escalator world that we live in is we're looking for the easy way. We're looking for the path of least resistance. We're looking for the shortcut. We want a magic pill or secret potion or hidden formula. But the, the paradox principle that we kind of uncovered that mm-hmm. the world's ultra performers have figured out that most of us haven't is that easy short-term choices lead to difficult long-term consequences. Meanwhile, difficult short-term choices lead to easy long-term consequences. So the great paradox here is what seems like the easy thing in life, eating whatever we want, paying whatever we want, like buying things on credit when we can't afford it. Those things seem easy in the short term, but those are the things that make life more difficult. And, And conversely, the people who make the sacrifices, the people who take the stairs, the people who invest in their education, the people who work harder, they go the extra mile, they do the things they know they should be doing when they don't feel like doing them, those are the people who end up with the easier life. And that applies to your marriage, you know, doing things you don't feel like doing or to your fitness or, uh, you know, anything related to your money and investing and saving uh, versus spending or certainly to building a business or sales or being an author or any of those things. And so the the beauty about discipline is it's a level playing field. Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how rich your family was or what what level, you know, of an institution you went to. It's something that's available to all of us. And I think, you know, education is one of the great equalizers. And because of the Internet, education is more readily available today than ever before. And so what really comes down to is a matter of of discipline. So my friends tuning in right now, listening to Rory Vaden, frequently on these Live Inspired podcasts, I, I really ask you to just almost sit poolside, shut your eyes and be inspired. Listen to someone else's story and and seek and search for one takeaway as you can apply it back into yours. Uh, Today, I'm going to come at you from a little bit of a different perspective. I'm asking you to open up those eyes, grab a laptop or a a notepad, anything to take notes on, because I think what you're going to hear Rory unpack is not only what has allowed him to become a successful homeowner, spouse, soon-to-be parent, business owner, all these other things, but really specifically what these examples, what these principles mean for each of us. So Rory, just to back into it, the first success principle is this idea, the paradox of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it self-discipline, I think one of the reasons why the Take the Stairs book became so pervasive is because people started to realize that self-discipline is not as hard as we all think once we know how to think about it the right way. 
Um, and the book is really nothing other than these seven misconceptions that people have about discipline. The first one being the paradox principle that easy short-term choices lead to difficult long-term consequences. Well, once you have these insights, once you learn to think the way that ultra performers think, it opens up the the potential for you to act the way that they act and then to have all of the things that they have. And so the strategy here, the first strategy then is that you learn to leverage long-term vision to endure short-term sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Because if it's if it's the difficult short-term choices that lead to the, the easy long-term consequences, then we have to be thinking about the long-term, something that we call the significance calculation. Uh, not thinking about today, not thinking about what feels good now, but thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Rory, when you make the sig- how, how do you get a culture, education system, political system, media, everything that is so focused on the, the next 24 hours if we're really planning long term? I mean, that's long term if we're going 24 hours out to think, no, let's let's look a week, a month, a year, a lifetime, a legacy away, and then back into what we're going to do about it today. How do, you, how do you get us to change the perspective with which we view our days? Well, I mean, how do you get somebody to change anything? I think it starts with awareness. Then it is education, right? Then you have to, you have to teach people why and how. Then it's a plan, and then it's accountability to work the plan. Um, so I think that a lot of it in terms of you know, I've, I'm, you know, I'm writing three times a week. We have our podcast. We've got our books and stuff out there. We're still very much in the awareness phase. But I think as people start to learn the value of this, and we talk, we use money a lot of times um, to illustrate some of these mm-hmm. points uh, because people care about money and they relate to money. And you go, well, look, if, if, if we can use the significance calculation to show you how to make money and time, we also talk about time a lot, like how to how to multiply your time, which of course is the theme of our new book. Yes. Um, then people start to see the payoff of this type of thinking, and the more they see the payoff, the more they're incentivized to do it, and and I think it starts to create that you know it starts to shift the culture back. Um, so I, you know I don't I don't you know, the whole message, right, is there is no short-term easy right. fix, right? So there's not, right. I, I, cer- I certainly don't think there's a short-term easy quick fix to getting everyone to think longer term, but it doesn't have to be easy. It just has to be the truth. And yes. it is the truth. And if you if you spend time around successful people, you will find that they make the significance calculation. And that is a part of what shifts everything. Well, let's let's walk through just a few of the other strategies that you've put forward, and I know one of them, Rory, is about the the buy-in principle of commitment. Tell tell me more about that. Yeah, so the buy-in principle of commitment states that the more we have invested into something, the less likely we are to let it fail. Um, and and most of us, again, misconceptions about self-discipline, right? Most of us keep commitments conditionally. We keep them as long as they are convenient to do so. Mm. And then the moment it becomes inconvenient to follow through on our commitment, we start to question that commitment. We start to challenge the commitment. We start to convince ourselves that maybe my life would be easier if I, if I took some other job or I pursued some other goal or if I had some other spouse. And we convince ourselves that that would be easier because in the short term, it would, it would absolve us from dealing with this pain that's in front of us. But what you find over and over again is that what's easy in the short term creates more difficult long-term consequences and that you can change a person's circumstances, but until you change the person, all of their conflicts are going to show back up in, in almost an in, in eerily 
duplicatable way yes. as they were before. Um, their problems follow them because the problems aren't related to the circumstance. The problem is related to the person's character. Um, what, what ultra performers do is they realize the more we have invested into something, uh, the less likely it should be to walk away. And so when it becomes difficult for them to make follow through on a commitment, they invest more money, more time, more prayer, more energy, more focus into whatever that commitment is because they're not just going to walk away from a big investment. And so they invest more and more and more, and that creates this sort of unconditional commitment. They're going to find a way to follow through, and so they do. Yes. Um, most people kind of ask themselves, you know, should I do this? Uh, is this possible? Can I do this? And what ultra performers do is they shift from saying, should I do this to how can I do yes. this? I think how that is so I- key to shift from one you, you, true or false, yes or no, into one that it's it's asking you what the answer is, right? It's not giving you an easy way out. It's it's demanding that you come up with a solution. Yeah, that's what you're, when you ask the question how, it's like our minds transcend all limitations. We break free of these belief barriers and these mental prisons of our own construction about what is possible for our life and what isn't possible. And what happens is our creativity engages. Um, your creativity is either working in the negative direction or right. it's working in the positive direction. Fear, fear is your creativity working in the negative direction. Fear is an old acronym, you know, it stands for false evidence appearing real. It is coming, your brain wandering off to all the worst possible things that could happen, all the reasons why you can't do it, all the, the reasons why, you know, now is not a good time. That's mm-hmm. your creativity coming up with excuses. Hmm. Well, if you shift the conversation to say, how could this be possible? Then your creativity goes in the positive direction. Mm-hmm. And it starts going, well, maybe if we did this, and what if we tried that? And, and boy, I just learned this, that could apply. Or, you know, I know somebody who did this before, I should talk to them. And, and now your creativity is moving you uh, in the direction of not finding an excuse, but finding a way. And, you know, that creates a momentum for our life that is inevitably either making things better or making things worse. But it is your choice. And it is a take the stairs choice that must be made every single day. And I, I think it leads directly into the third strategy, which is all around focus. Guide us through what, that, what the principle is all about on that, Rory. Yeah, so focus is an interesting one because we live in a world of distraction. I mean, everywhere you turn, distraction, you know, email, website, pop-up, text message, social media, meeting you're called into, you know, something on the street sign, whatever. And distraction is a dangerously deceptive saboteur of our goals. Uh, Distraction, most of us that don't achieve our goals, it won't be because we're not smart enough or we don't have the right knowledge or resources, it's because we get distracted and we don't do the things we know we need to do. Well, the magnification principle of focus basically says that focus is power. Um, And, you know, sunlight, uh, if you put a piece of paper outside on the ground, under hot sun, nothing will happen. But if you put a magnifying glass in between the paper and the sun, the piece of paper catches on fire because sunlight focused enough creates energy to catch a piece of paper on fire. Mm -hmm. Water can be streamlined enough to cut through steel. Uh, But we live in a world that is completely absent of of focus. Um, And procrastination is the most expensive and visible cost in business today. We talk about 
um, the different types of procrastination and take the stairs, one of which is creative avoidance, which is creating stuff for ourselves to do so that we can do those things as a means of feeling productive. Meanwhile, what we're really doing is avoiding doing the thing we know we right. should be doing that we don't feel like doing. And just to pause you there, I, I, what you're talking about in business is absolutely applicable at home and relationships and carpool lines, phone conversations and everything else we do. So I just invite my friends listening right now, if you're hearing an awful lot of business here, hear it. That's fine. But, but also understand that we're talking specifically about your spiritual journey, your health, your finances, your relationships, your emotions, your life. What is true in business, I think, is palpable and playable all the way through every other facet of your life. Yeah, and and vice versa. See, I think a lot of times people, uh, you go, yeah, you know, some of some of some of these business principles are applicable to life. But I also think anyone who runs a household mm-hmm. is running a business, no doubt. I mean, if you're running a household, you're running a business. You got you have all sorts of tasks going on every single week. A budget. You have a budget to manage. You have employees. You know, quote unquote. Uh, you got you know. Other, just, also known as inmates, if you have enough of them, just yeah. inmates that <laughs> yeah. are taking over the asylum almost on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. You'll figure this out come March, brother. Uh, yeah. So, the, Rory, you, you're speaking to the idea of setting goals. For those of us, and the majority of us don't have goals. We may not have goals in business, and we certainly, many of us, don't have goals in our spiritual journey, our finances, our relationships. Most of us don't have marital goals or goals for our kids written down specific. How do we find the time? How do we make the time? And, and what might be a process that we can go about setting some of these goals for ourselves? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different goal-setting sort of tools and, and platforms. Um Here's what I would encourage you to do, just to keep it simple, and this is incredibly powerful if you actually do this. Don't think about you know doing it right and all the characteristics a good goal should have. Just take out a piece of paper or a Word document if you prefer to type, and write out in, a, in excruciating detail, what would my perfect life look like? Where would I be living? Who would be with me? Where would we be? What are the places I would visit? Who would my friends be? What would I do every day? Uh, where would I spend my time? What would my hobbies be? How much money would I make? What types of what type of home would I live in? You know, you can have mm-hmm. some material possessions be a part of it. Um, you can have some, you know, more like achievement things be a part of it. And and write as if you were an author writing out a scene mm. uh, and describe. Who is with you? What can you see? What can you taste? What can you touch? What can you smell? And just answer, what would your perfect life look like? Or even just one moment, right? Like just describe one moment. And the amount of our endurance is directly proportionate to the clarity of our vision. That's awesome. When you have a crystal clear picture of what you want in your life, then there is naturally a strong connection how the sacrifices you're asking yourself to make today forward you towards something you care about. It thereby creates a context for action to take place, and your discipline engages automatically. But similarly, if you don't have a vision for your life, or you don't spend much time thinking about it or reviewing it, then there is no reason to make the sacrifices today that you're asking yourself to make. So there Mm -hmm. is no context. There's no context for the sacrifice. So a lot of times people say, they think they struggle with discipline, but they don't struggle as much from a lack of discipline 
as they do from a lack of vision. All of us have discipline. Discipline just becomes dormant in the absence of a dream. So you need to start dreaming. You need to dream as big and crazy as wild as possible. You might think it's stupid. You might have been told, get your head out of the clouds. You might told, you know, be realistic. Right. But every ultra performer, all of these people who do huge things in the world, they don't listen to that. They dream. They, they are dreamers. They, it's like they write down the biggest, most ridiculous things. And we would look at it, and, and it, it seems ridiculous at first, but the more you live over and over, you kind of replay it in your mind, you start to ask the question how, and then you figure out a way, and it starts to, it starts to come true you know, when you, uh, you put the discipline behind it. And, and just to remind everybody again, we, we're hearing big terminology like the ultra-performers uh, my, my wife, Beth, and I were talking just yesterday about, hey, how do we have more family dinners? How, how do we sit around a table, four kids, two busy adults as a family, night after night after night? So one of our goals is to specifically get after that. And so as you're hearing Rory speak to us and teach us about how to about these principles and how to live a bigger, bolder, better, brighter life, Remember that this is a life available to you, regardless of where you are right now. And one of the ways to get there is through the schedule, the harvesting schedule. T- tell me a little bit about that principle, Rory. Yeah. So everyone talks about work-life balance, right? Like I need more balance. Um, and balance is actually a horrible metaphor for how we spend our time. Because balance, the word balance, by definition, means equal force in opposite directions. So as we think and we apply that metaphor balance to time, it naturally implies that we should spend an equal amount of time in the different areas of our life. But that is a completely futile futile pursuit because in order to be balanced, if you sleep eight hours a day and you work eight hours a day, then the only way you could actually be balanced would be to do one other activity activity eight hours every single day. That's Mm -hmm. the only way you could actually reach balance. So balance is this impossible pursuit. It doesn't even make sense. Um, The thing is, people are pursuing balance, and what they should be pursuing is results. Um, Because because results can uh, be achieved in varying amounts of time in different areas of our life. For example, with fitness, The good news is you don't have to work out eight hours a day to be in good shape. For the vast majority of us, if we worked out 30 minutes a day, three times a week, it would result in huge transformation Mm -hmm. or just or 15 minutes every day. Um, I mean, if you did 30 minutes every day, it would be a huge transformation. So that's good. Also, it doesn't take eight hours a day to develop a, a meaningful relationship with your spouse. But it might take one hour a day of focused conversation, not right. sitting on the couch watching TV together, but actual meaningful conversation about your dreams and your fears and your worries and your hopes and your your plans. Um, and that, that that's the good news is it, it doesn't take a lot of time to do these things, but it has to be focused time. So what we prefer is the metaphor of seasons um, and it, at the harvest season. Um, it comes from farmers. Right. Like farmers during the harvest, they work 14 or 16 hours a day. And it's not like you ever hear a farmer sit around and go, boy, you know, my life is really out of balance (laughs) right now. Right. Um, Because a farmer knows the harvest is when the harvest is. And and that's what you take advantage of timing and timing matters. 
and you go through seasons of intensity. And there might be a season of intense work schedule. That's fine, but it shouldn't be your whole life. And there, there might be a season when you have young kids, and that's the season of, of the life that you're in, and you're spending time with those kids. And there's seasons of getting into shape, and there's seasons of getting out of debt. And even professions have seasons, right? Like you have the retail Christmas season, and, and accountants have tax season, and yes. athletes have playoff season. The world, the world doesn't operate in, in, a, in a balanced way. The world operate even, it, it operates in seasons. So balance is not equal time spread across equal activities. Balance is appropriate time invested in, into critical priorities. Mm. And just to play off of what you're talking about right there and, and the simplicity of this, this harvest season, uh, Beth and I have been married 13 years, and uh, our marriage at this very moment has never been better, in part because every morning we go on the screen porch and we spend about 10 minutes, a grand total of 10 minutes, eye to eye, cups in hand, looking at each other, looking at the sunrise, talking about our day, talking about where we're going, talking about our lives. Mm -hmm. And it has done more the last several months and seasons of focusing on one another than, than anything we've done in the 13 years leading up to this. So it's not the hours of working out or the 40 hours at the office day after day, week after week, year after year. It, it is realizing that there are times to harvest these relationships, this work, this life. And Roy, you're speaking to it beautifully. And a 10 minute, but uh, you know, even if it's 10 minutes, uh, uh, that can be a harvest season. A harvest season is protected, intense focus, right? So if you're sitting on, on the porch drinking coffee with your wife, it's, if you're not checking email and you're not on the phone, if you're actually talking, it's amazing how connected you can get mm -hmm. to somebody in just 10 minutes. But you could spend five hours sitting next to them, being on Facebook and right. doing whatever, and not be connecting with them at all. That's why we say it's not about the quantity of time. It really is about the quality of time. Now, in, in certain cases, there's a quantity of time also that must be spent, but you can, you can accomplish results in very short windows of time. It's, it's not about the volume of time that you spend. It's about how much focused time do you spend and how much focused time is needed to create the desirable result. So you, it, it's not really about how much time, it's about, it's, it's about the result. Rory, you're hearing, and at least I hear it frequently from friends and family, and even in our own house, how overwhelmed we are. We are, are traveling more, working more, driving more carpool lines, more practices, family obligations, mm -hmm. all this stuff. How do, how do we siphon through the busy and get down to the important? Well, uh, you know, this is something that I struggle with and everybody does. All of our coaching clients do. It's the number one issue that our coaching clients struggle with. And so we spent three years studying it and um, Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time is, is the new book, that which is basically our, our best attempt to answer this. And um, one thing that helps is there's a complete paradigm shift. It's not about doing things faster. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the way that you multiply time, which is the premise of the book, or you can go watch my TED Talk. It's a free thing if you want to do a free short version. There's a free and TED Talk. By the way, just to remind you, my friends, we're going to have links to the TED Talk, links to both of Rory's books, links to his organization. So uh, write it down if you'd like right now, but realize there will be links and there will be my highest praise for all of his work. He's a phenomenal writer and a phenomenal presenter. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Well, the, the, in one sentence, um, the way that you multiply time 
is by spending time on things today that give you more time tomorrow. It's again, that significance calculation. It's not just hurrying through a busy list of, of rushed tasks that need to get done today. That's what most people are doing. The ultra performers are multipliers as we call them now. Multipliers pause for a second and they, and they really ask themselves, what are the tasks that if I do them today, they will create more time tomorrow? Is, what are the processes that I could create? And this could be as simple as like a chore chart, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of having a 30-minute fight every night about whose turn it is to do the dishes and take out the trash, you take an hour with a family, you create the chore chart. Now nobody has to think about it. It's completely fair. Everybody's on board, and it yes. just gets done. Um, you, and businesses can create processes, same thing, you know, CRMs and email marketing and all the different tools and systems that are available. Um, and on, autom- uh, setting up online bill pay is a good example, right? Like if, if you ask the average person, hey, do you have two hours open in your calendar this week to set up online bill pay? Most of us would be like, no, are you yeah, crazy? I don't have a- any time open in my calendar. But a multiplier would say, now, wait a minute. If I set up online bill pay and it saves me 30 minutes every month from paying my bills, then that means after just four months' time, I will have broken even on that investment of time. And every month thereafter, I will get ROTI, return on time invested. So they might not have the two hours open, but they give themselves the permission to invest two hours to set up online bill pay, not because it's the most urgent thing to do today, but because of the value it provides tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So the focus funnel, which you can see in the TED Talk or in the book, whatever, uh, is eliminate, automate, delegate, uh, concentrate, and and on the on the things today, you know, eliminate, automate, delegate the things that don't multiply time, mm-hmm. and then concentrate on the things that do. Well, I, I want to, as we begin slowly wrapping up our time together, the time, by the way, Rory, has flown as it always does every time I'm with you. I want to end with maybe I think maybe one of the most important principles, which is the 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 principle of action. Talk, talk to me about that. Yeah, I, this is um, the you know fear. Psychologists say the number one cause of all procrastination is self criticism, and that is why we procrastinate. We think it won't be good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough, and so what happens is we don't act because we want to wait until we have the perfect time, until there's the perfect plan, until circumstances are just right. And what we want to instead do is cultivate the habit of action. This day, I will make progress. I will not stand still and, and I will not go backwards. I will take one step, no matter how small, one step forward. And I don't worry about it being perfect. I I embrace the idea that success often is messy. Psychologists say the number one cause of all procrastination is self-criticism, thinking it won't be good enough, it won't work out. And, And so most of us wait to take action until we have the perfect time and the perfect plan and the perfect set of circumstances, and we're waiting for a perfect time that never comes. So instead, the way that you cultivate the habit of action is by demanding progress. You get ruthless and relentless and uncompromising about the idea that today on this day, I will make progress. I will take some step forward. And you embrace the idea that it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't even have to know how it's going to work out. Success is messy. Very often, you figure it out as you go. It's not a perfect plan. It's something that you find out how to do along the way. So take that first step, 
free yourself of the demand for per- perfection and just focus on making progress. Mm. Go ahead and drop the mic, Rory. I don't know where you are right now. Drop the mic as you should on that. I think it's beautiful, beautiful advice for all of us. The, my friends who've been following me through the Live Inspired movement for a while know that I encourage everybody to ask each night the question, what more can I do? And then to be bold enough and audacious enough the following morning to take action on it, even if it's awkward, even if it's, even if we don't know exactly what the second step is, it's the it's the courage to take the first. And Rory, I want to take you through the Live Inspired seven questions right now. It's a it's a set of questions that we ask all of our guests. Everybody answers these. Everybody's a little bit caught off guard, but I think the ultimate answer is the truth in their lives, the truth in their hearts. So I'm gonna. I'm going to jump in. I know you're unprepared for this, but I think your life's testimony has made you fully ready for it. So uh, take a deep breath and uh, let's get ready to rumble, man. Rory Vaden, what is the best book that you have ever read? Wow, that is a hard one. I mean, there's so many. I mean, the Bible to me is the all-encapsulating book that, that brings it all together. If you separate, if you if you separate the Bible out, and I had to choose one book, um, I would say how to win friends and influence people. Right. Awesome. What was the main takeaway from that for you? Basically just empathy with others and uh, selflessness in your communication, which I think is, is, is huge. Rory Vaden, tomorrow you discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you Vaden with millions. What would you do with mm. it? Um, to me, I'm, I want to spend my time and my money on things today that will create more results tomorrow. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to charity. I would use it to start charities. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to churches. I would use it to start churches. Um, I would use it to invest into businesses that uh, generate uh, a good cause and generate uh, outcomes. So I would, I would look, I'm always looking to multiply by spending time and money on things today that create more results tomorrow. Awesome. Brother, if your house catches fire and all living things, including pets, animals, people are out and you have an opportunity to run back into the house, back into the apartment, back into the condo and grab one thing, the one thing that matters most to you, what would you grab? Um, gosh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's, there is anything that I would grab. I mean, what else, what else do you need? I, I, I don't, I don't think I would go back in. I, I, (laughs) if I had, you know, if, if I have my, my family and I have the people that matter to me, you know, people always say the photo album, but now you have like iCloud, right? are up in up in iCloud. So I I don't think I would I don't think I would go back in. I I don't want hopefully there's never a possession that I'll be so attached to that I would go back for. Awesome. Hey, perfect answer. If you could sit on a beach on a bench in a chair and have a long conversation on a gorgeous day with anyone living or dead, Rory, who would it be? Oh, jeez. Well, um <laughs> You know, again, there's 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 hundreds of them, and uh, you know, biblical characters would be up there. I mean, biblical people, Jesus for sure. But um, barring barring Jesus as an answer, um, I would probably say Martin Luther King Jr. Awesome. I would 
I would love to have that conversation. Mm. Uh, just what was it like? Why did you do it? You know, how did you do it? How did you pull that off to el- so elegantly transform such a hate- hatred? Mm. What's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, geez. These are all questions where there's like a hundred answers. Uh, there is no uh, true or false on this one. Uh, um, I, I'll just say one, one great piece of advice that I received uh, was it's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. Hmm. And the more you're thinking about other people and what you're doing for them, the more that fear just goes away. It's hard to be nervous when your heart's on service. You know, guys, ladies, paying attention right now in your cars, buses, poolside, wherever you are, that, that's worthy of writing down. It is hard to be nervous, anxious, another way of saying it, when your heart is on service. Thank you, Rory. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Stay the course. <laughs> Stay the course. C- continue making good decisions. Um, they, 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 you always get paid for how hard you work sometimes now, oftentimes later, always eventually, but all the work that you're doing right now that you don't feel paid for, that you don't feel anyone cares about, that you don't feel respected for all the work that you're doing where nobody is watching, stay the course. It, it will pay off and it will pay off many, many, many more times than you can ever, ever imagine. Finally, Rory, you made it through, man. Six out of the seven, here's the last one. It has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How do you want your one sentence to read, Rory? Well, I think for me, you know, I'd love to be remembered as the guy who helped people take the stairs the guy who helped people believe that they could do things, that, that things need the right way was a different way that, and that it was worth it and that it paid off and that um, they could do it and they could pursue their dream and they could walk a different path and that it all came down to doing the things they knew in their heart. They should, they, they should do those things and that they actually had the courage to do them. So I would be, uh, you know, take the stairs is, is the manifesto, not only for what I believe to be uh, true about success, but just what I would love to be remembered for. Uh, Rory, I got to say, man, I, I read that book years ago, and every single time I bump into an escalator with stairs right next to it, because they always <laughs> run hand in hand, every time, every single time I think of you, I think of that mantra, and uh, I don't always do it, but frequently I will take those stairs and I will do it even more frequently in honor of you and this time on the Live Inspired podcast. So thank you for joining us, Rory. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure, John. I, I love you so much. I appreciate you and everything you stand for. And I think you're amazing. And just for all of you listening, I hope to connect with you online. And remember, success is never owned. Success is only rented. And the rent is due every day. And you can hear that and so much more from my friend Rory Vaden at his blog, RoryVadenBlog.com. Again, in the show notes, we're going to sum all this up. We'll have links to his beautiful books, his talks, his work, his efforts, his life. You'll want to check all that out. My friends, for this time and until next time, this is Live Inspired with John O'Leary. And this is your day. Live Inspired. Thanks for joining me today on this Live Inspired podcast. I told you that Rory would have simple, realistic tools to help you to dream big, stay disciplined, and live inspired. And I'm confident that he delivered on that promise. In the show notes, 
We have links to his book, Take the Stairs, and his other book, Procrastinate on Purpose. Now, my friends, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you, please take a few seconds to review it and subscribe to it on iTunes. This helps me so much in getting the word out about the show. Although the show is just launching, it's climbing the charts, and it's certainly touching lives. Please review the show and subscribe so that even more people can hear about the show and they can live inspired. If you have friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, people that you think might benefit, tell them too. Let's join and build a movement of people who are choosing to live inspired. You can find out more about all these pieces, about all of our work, about all of our podcasts and writings at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. That's www.JohnO'LearyInspires.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing this episode, this podcast, as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you for this time. And until next time, my friends, this is your day. Live inspired.